Hi, you're listening to Delusional Optimism with Dr. B, where we explore human resiliency and learn how people thrive even after adversity. We break down the complexities of the human brain so concepts are simple and relatable. It's fun and empowering to understand how your earliest experiences influence your relationships today. What makes you tick? Dr. B is a speaker, trainer, and consultant who understands emotions and human development from the inside out. Let's dive into today's episode. Here's Dr. B. Welcome to our first episode of season two of Delusional Optimism. I'm Seth Creekmore and I'm here with Dr. B. Dr. B, how's it going? Good. How are you, Seth? Doing wonderful. Great. Really, really excited. I'm actually... uh, the countdown has begun. I'm headed to Europe in uh, September. So that is, I'm so excited. But then, you know, like the, the laundry list of things that I have to get done before I leave just starts piling on. Oh. Remember all the things that you need to buy and you need to figure out before you leave. It's, um, it's, it's, it's exciting, but yeah, yeah very, very uh, anxiety ridden. Oh my goodness. Well, th- you're going to have such a great time. Where are you going? Uh, so, um, I have a wedding in Switzerland that I'm attending. I know. Fun. <laughs> so rough. Yeah, rough life. <laughs> uh, and then because all of my work is remote, I'm just going to stick around there for a while. And then, I don't know, we'll, we'll see. The options on the table right now are France, England, Portugal, maybe Denmark. Um, I have some family in Denmark. So, yeah, oh, I mean, goodness. I can just... I'll probably be staying for a couple months. We'll nice. See. So some of these episodes will be from an undisclosed location in Europe. Wow. Um, <laughs> okay. We'll disclose it though when we're doing. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For yes. sure. I'll, I'll give an update for everyone. Okay. I'm going to put one be... vote in for Nazare, Portugal. Nazare. Nazare. Okay. The hundred foot wave. It's the biggest wave in yes. the world. And Have you seen that documentary yes, yet? Yes. Yes. Okay. I just heard about it and it's on my list to watch before I go. Oh yeah. So. I've been I've known about okay, lifelong surfer. So I've yeah, known about Naver- Nazare for a long time and then they just did that documentary on that wave and I'm just mesmerized oh, at the, no yeah. there's a there's a building up on the peak, a lighthouse that was built in the fifteen hundreds that wow. overlooks this wave that comes in and it actually the big big giant swells start coming in in october Mm, and november and that's when they're doing just spectators can watch i just want to go stand in that just like Mm. insanely you know in the that's gonna be on my list nature and the universe of just power and then people are power. surfing it i can't mm. i just don't even well i do understand the psychology of that <laughs> would never a death wish is the psychology term for that there is um. yes there is yes there's a part of the brain that actually doesn't activate on the same level as somebody who has a normal fear response and i say normal very loosely but there are people who are in very, very dangerous hobbies or professions. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons is because their brain doesn't respond to fear. Is this like Alex Honnold from Free Solo? Yes. 
Exactly. Okay. Yes, yeah, exactly yeah. like that. So do you think that was like he was always been like that or he's just kind of trained his brain to be that way? I think he's I think that he's always been like that. I think that that part yeah. of his brain did not develop and express. So there's a neurobiological mm. difference there. It's mm-hmm. not necessarily bad or good. We don't need to put judgment on it. However, sure. It absolutely puts him at a mm-hmm. risk of injury and death compared to somebody like yeah. me who would never, ever do that. Right. <laughs> so, there's, there's probably evolutionary advantages and disadvantages of that, for ab- sure. Oh, yeah, for yeah. sure. And, yeah. and if you think about his story, but other stories of climbers, free mm-hmm. solo climbers in particular, or... Hundred hundred foot wave surfers. I mean, it, it. I'm sure that there's this exists in lots of mm-hmm. um, sports and and activities, but oftentimes they push the limits of their activity to the point of death. Think mm-hmm. about people who climb Mount Everest. Yeah, knowing yeah. knowing that you're climbing into oxygen depleted, freezing yeah. cold. I mean, mm-hmm. it, there's just it, and your 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 brain says I can beat the odds. <laughs> you're a, you're a true yeah. delusional optimist. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That do you, that seems, I mean to get into our topic here that it does seem like recently recently like not crazy recently, but that the the desire for risky activity has been increasing. One theory for for me, not necessarily in the risk category, but like the more like the the tough mutters and the Spartan races and all that other stuff is like we've become too comfortable, so our body ends up desiring discomfort, and um, yeah. so we pay <laughs> to be uncomfortable and scared and scared, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because we don't get to experience that on a day to day basis. Um, I don't know what yeah. what is your what's your theory on that? Do you feel like that's accurate or? I love that. I think that is so accurate, and I think that we evolutionarily haven't. You know, once we were hunter and gatherers, we have an mm-hmm. innate evolutionary fear of spiders. Because right. at one point in our history, spiders could literally kill us. Right. And we didn't have protection from them. We didn't have the mm-hmm. pest control company. We didn't have, you know, yeah. housing, all of these things that we do now. And so one of the things that happens is our brain is still, we haven't had time to evolutionarily remove that fear from our mm. system. Interesting. But so so we just have this fear of spiders and we don't know why. Mm. Right? Like if you think about it, if you ask people, I just had this experience. Someone's like, yeah, just take one of those sticks and be sure to wipe the spider webs down in the maze you're gonna walk through. And I'm like, I'm not walking through that maze. <laughs> if there's spiders, <laughs> I am not going there. <laughs> I'm too scared. And interesting. And and I have these facts. I know mm. I know why I'm scared. And I can't I didn't want to walk through the spider maze. <laughs> 
I think you're absolutely right. And then I think it's on steroids. That sense is on, we're, we're, mm. we're experiencing that with COVID-19 and the pandemic and really being forced to mm. uh, hibernate in a lot of weird ways that people are connecting with their need for experiences differently Mm. and they're willing what's so interesting to me is what people are willing to pay for in order to create that neuro push for excitement Mm -hmm. when they could actually do things they could find ways to get that and do that themselves in a natural healthy way Mm. so but you know think about it we've been doing this forever Let's go skydiving. <laughs> yeah. Right? It's not free. Yeah. It's not easy. No. And that's in the that's in the kind of that's way outside the free solo zone. I mean the free solo mm-hmm. zone and the climbing Mount Everest, those things are in the that's in a different level of need for mm. neuroactivation. Does that make sense? Like right. The brain requires so much more to activate in order to feel like something's happening that they have to go to an extreme. And that's Hmm. actually probably a dysfunction of the brain because it's Hmm. not serving the survival need as protectively as it needs to. To let you climb the Mm. face of a mountain with no protective gear, your brain being in service of survival is a little bit. But what a level of elation. Like, I felt elation as he crested the top. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Um, Yeah. (laughs) So our second topic here is science and spirituality and the four generations, how they possibly perceive it. We don't represent everyone, but just just a guess yeah. along those lines. For sure. But let's just start with that and remember that this season two is all about generational differences. But one of the things that's so important to remember is this isn't a representation of all the individuals in a generation. It's the representation of a generation as a whole. And mm-hmm. so it's an overarching way of thinking, not everybody's individual way of thinking. So mm-hmm. we have to keep that in perspective because people will find themselves differing from their generation, and that's perfectly reasonable and makes sense. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. in general, life experiences based on science. do lead to how a very large group of people view the world. And Mm -hmm. that impacts the policies that they make, the laws they make, the the way they parent and do all sorts of things. So in terms of spirituality or or even religion, Mm -hmm. the younger generations actually will, we're we're learning is are less quote unquote religious and more spiritual, but mm-hmm. they often are, you know, they really lean into science. 
So mm. why would that be that, you know, older generations lean into religion or spirituality mm-hmm. and younger generations lean into science? Well, first of all, technology and innovation and accessibility to information. Right. Yeah, and and what I've what I've noticed Coming from a religious background, here's how I've kind of parsed the difference. And maybe this isn't completely accurate, but there's spirituality and then organized spirituality is becomes religion. And at least that's that's how I feel like my generation would probably define that. And I think the millennial generation, we grew up in a hyper religious setting where there were very established groups. And there's good things about religion. Don't get me wrong. Right. Obviously, there's yeah. good and bad things about everything. But I think the the consistent um, congruence and the commonality of a shared belief is something that's really strong and really helpful to moving something forward, whether you're moving something forward that's helpful or not helpful. And then we, I think millennials in a lot of ways became disillusioned because we saw the thing, the fruits of that religion not quite matching up with what the religion was saying. And so we're like, I don't think I want to be a part of this. And so there's an exit and not necessarily an exit from beliefs or some was exit from beliefs, but there is an exit into more individualism. Mm-hmm. into and that's where like backing off into just individual spirituality of like well I can't find I can't find the truth um in this organization so I have to find the truth within myself which is which is great don't get me wrong it's really great but when you don't allow your ideas that you come up with to be critiqued by others and by a larger body that has had history upon history of good kinds of arguing over ideas and philosophies and stuff like that, then we all kind of have our separate spirituality and there's not a, a, a movement towards a singular thing, which again, not a good or bad thing, but it's just there's like strengths and weaknesses for both. I think what's great about it is my generation questioned, came back, questioned, critiqued, and we're really great at that. What we're not great at is rebuilding after we've questioned and critiqued. And either we continue to just like critique, 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 or we get sucked to one side or the other extreme because we miss the stability of having a shared system of belief. So we get drawn into hyper left liberalism or socialism or, or something like that. And anything else other than that is complete and utter evil. Mm -hmm. Or you get super conservative and fundamental and same idea. And so I think that's that lack of stability gets makes you drawn to the ultimate extremes instead of finding some sort of middle path to keep moving of critiquing and building at the same time. I think I love listening to you um, (laughs) (laughs) describe the way you think about just this entire concept. And as I was listening to you, I was running it through my sort of generational and clinical psychology brain Mm -hmm. and thinking one of the things that your generation hasn't done yet is gotten to the end of the story or gotten to a later part of the story because you guys, you're still in the muck. 
you're young. Very much. <laughs> Very much. And so what happens is where my generation that's older, I think that I can see so much optimism and growth potential and some of the real positives that are going to come from millennials and from Gen Mm -hmm. Z, the next up and coming two generations, but you're still in the middle of it because, and I know the accessibility to information has just exploded Mm. with millennials and really with, with Gen X, we've, we've had the ability to have access to lots of information, even baby boomers. I mean, we're, the, the these four generations i think we talked about it before but i'll i'll do a little recap mm-hmm. generations are about a 20 year period and there are four archetypes in generational theory and generational cycles run about mm. the lifespan so 80 years and then they repeat so the archetypes repeat wow. so baby boomers are considered the archetype prophet Gen X is the archetype nomads. Millennials, the archetype heroes. Gen Z Z. is the archetype artists. And so Mm. what we didn't talk about is the silent generation were also artists. So now we're repeating. Mm. And then Gen Alpha, which will be the next generation, the kids born after 2011, will be prophets again like baby boomers. Now, they've had an entire life, 80-year, 100-year cycle of new information, but their big, broad, depth way of being, being idealistic, Mm -hmm. being crusaders, that's that's sort of the archetype of prophets, baby boomers, will be followed up with, all this new information, but their little counterparts, Gen Alpha. Mm-hmm. And so they're going to bring some of that back in a different way. So where boomers really needed to anchor into, in a lot of ways, religion mm-hmm. and the organization, like you were talking about, the very much the structure of understanding spirituality. Mm-hmm. Then Gen X became somewhat disillusioned. We're a small generation. We raised ourselves. Mm. We didn't have our parents. You know, we were latchkey kids. Then we raised millennials and Gen Z, homelanders. And science in and of itself, it has nothing to do with the generation as much as it does with the production of innovation we're able to understand things more and we have the internet. So you have the the blessing and curse of being <laughs> born at a time yeah. when you have accessibility to information and science. We also look at the brain now. We don't have to guess what's mm-hmm. going on in someone's brain. Yeah. We can literally literally see what's yeah. happening inside the body in ways that we never could have done a hundred years right. ago. The other thing that that kind of trips me out is I was I was alive at the birth of the internet. Like I, I remember pre-internet and yeah. I remember internet. Yes. And the 
watching that revolution, like how fast it's um, happened is just right. insane. Oh, it's <laughs> honestly, com- it's, com- and then your counterpart, your next generation, the generation after you, those homelanders, they're also called digital natives. They were mm-hmm. literally born without ever having the experience of not having the internet. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's yeah. appendage like for them. I walked past the bathroom that my son who's in his twenties uses and he was literally brushing his teeth and texting at the same time, (laughs) which could make a lot of parents crazy, right? You could say like, put your phone down. But in reality, what do I care? Like he's brushing his teeth. That's, you know, Mm -hmm. I want him to brush his teeth. And if he wants to text and he's capable of doing that level of multitasking, sure. Then yeah, Go for it. So yeah. one of the things that's so important is, and I hope that this podcast does for everybody, is open our minds to not, you know, why we think the way we think. It's, it is understandable. Mm-hmm. It is, we can categorize a lot of things scientifically and come up with conclusions that make sense so we don't have to invent them anymore. Mm-hmm. Right. I've also noticed that um, and, and heard some things about Gen Z being more comfortable with religion and that sort of thing and comfortable with science and yeah. just being like, yeah, these things can go. It's it's not a battle anymore for them because it's just like, well, duh. Yeah. Like, right. this is this is how it is and this is what I want to believe. And it's yeah. not a big deal. It's not a big, oh my goodness, <laughs> what's going to happen? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think that, that's been really interesting to observe in people that I know that are Gen Z. I think that that's very common. Remember, Gen Z is the archetype artist, like their grandparents mm-hmm. who are the silent generation. So World War II was their big life event that defined their generation's thinking. And then Homelanders, it was an on on US soil terrorist attack mm-hmm. that defined them. So they have these shared interesting. We have to work together in order to make good things happen. So mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, Gen Z has to make religion and science work together. Yeah. And they've had enough flexibility in their learning with technology and 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 really safety in a lot of ways. Um mm. and in and protectiveness from their parents that they are able to hold two things at the same time. They don't feel as compelled to decide. Where I think millennials are much more intense about deciding which one. (laughs) Gen X is just, all we care about is protecting the young. (laughs) 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 Because because we were latchkey kids and that had such a strong Mm. influence on not having adults to turn to. Even though those adults believed that they were taking care of us by taking care of our financial and, you know, housing needs, so they worked to do that. Yeah. What ends up happening is we spend a lot of time thinking ourselves and 
and making these plans. And then we raised children who were very, very protected and then mm-hmm. hyper protected in Gen Z. So they had a lot of safe time in some ways to think for themselves, but they also feel overprotected. And our third topic is a bit of a fun one and something that's close, near and dear to my heart is uh, travel. So, and the difference and what it means to travel, why we travel in the different generations. So, Dr. B, why don't you go ahead and start and talk about your section of the generational train? Okay, so my section of the generational train is that, and this is so interesting because of how we compare travel, vacation, and work. Mm. And so my generation (laughs) is very comfortable with, like, we love work-life balance. You know, I Mm. work, 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 and I'm invested in all my work. And then I reward myself by taking a vacation and I leave work behind, in theory. You know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's my dream. Where I think... Well, one of the things we know, and 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 you said it earlier in a conversation, whether it was recorded or not, yeah, I'm going to be on vacation and I work remotely, so I'm just going to, you know, go to Switzerland. <laughs> <laughs> so, there's actually a term that millennials have coined mm. called weisure time, and it's the combination mm. of work and leisure. Like, they don't even, they're the same thing. You work and have leisure time all at the same time. Exactly. It's not a thing. And (laughs) this is where the battle in the workforce happens between baby Um. boomers and millennials. Because baby boomers believe work hard, work hard, work hard, get ahead. That's how you become successful. Mm -hmm. And they have a very difficult time with vacationing the way a millennial would vacation. (laughs) Put your phone down. You're like, I can't put my phone down. I'm working and I'm at the beach. (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, and there's there's good things to take from work-life balance for sure. Because I know the constant leisure is is not healthy. And being able to have delineation is very important. Um, But yeah, like going to Switzerland... I'm going. I'm. I'm going to be setting certain times of time, delineating like what is leisure and what is leisure, and making sure that there is time where I'm not working. But I think how, at least how I think my generation views travel is, well, one, I think it's the accessibility and the popularity of travel became more than just like you go to. You go to some beach and do something. It's like, no, we we go and it's the experience thing. It's not so much the status of it as much as, oh, there's some status to it, but not not the like baby boomer Gen X level of I have a massive home and I go to the Cayman Islands for vacation every year. It's like, that's not interesting. We want to we want to go and have major experiences in crazy places and have stories to tell and all of that. And I think I think that's that's kind of what has led to the critique of a lot of systems and organizations is because we're we have we have the experience of other cultures, whether firsthand or secondhand. Yeah. And like, oh, so the US isn't the absolute 
pinnacle of being a country. Like there are other ways to do this and maybe we can improve a little bit. And so I think there's, there's that there's the, just whenever you travel, you get a, you get a broader sense of like, I'm, I'm not on this rock alone. Like we get so sequestered in our country, especially as large as the U S is like so many, so many of my friends here in Northern Indiana have, some of them have not even been out of the state. Yeah. And, and it's like, how do you, and, and definitely not even out of the country. And, and, and they, they don't understand different people's perspectives because of that. So it's really interesting. And from a neurobiological perspective, one of the things that we know is that having diverse experiences with different people, different places, different foods, different all cultures, Mm -hmm. that that then creates the framework, the blueprints in our brains that allow us to embrace diversity and then integrate it into our systems of how we do things as a quote-unquote either country or society or community. And with millennials, because of air travel and affordability, you can go anywhere in the world anytime and you don't, and, and you have access to safety at home. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Where travel for yeah. me has been, I've traveled a lot in my life, but I've always kept in my mind the safety. One affordability, it hasn't always been affordable. I didn't travel out of the country until I was an mm-hmm. adult. And to the safety understanding, like we didn't have the internet. So how would you know how to go to Thailand? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Would you know Mm -hmm. how to do that and do it safely and Mm -hmm. in a way? And then add baby boomers and really that's, uh, you know, a whole other level of, yeah, if you're going to go somewhere, you're going to go to your big house in the Cayman Islands because you that's familiar. I think the other part of it is that... I travel, I think about this a lot when I travel, is I just want to get there and chill out and relax. I don't care where mm. I am. I I, I do want to learn things. But if I'm going on, like I went to Kenya a couple years ago, mm-hmm. and I went there with a very personal agenda about learning things about my experience and the people that I was meeting and all of that. I went there with an agenda it wasn't to relax. So I almost went exploring the world to work. But mm, then mm. when I go on vacation, I want to land and I'll do a little bit of this and that fun stuff. Sure. But in my fantasy is that I'm just going to relax and do all the things that I don't do at home when I'm working, like <laughs> sleep and eat and just well, kick back well, and do kind of the nothing. relaxing, the self-care yeah. stuff. Yeah, but millennials, millennials mix it up. Oh, yeah. You can do all the work, you can do all the cultural connecting, da 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 da. But then you can have a really leisurely hike, couple of days, all on yeah. the same trip. Mm-hmm. Which Gen X now watch, like I watch millennials, and I think, wow, that's super cool. I want to like that's great. And then I want to mm-hmm. take credit for teaching you and making that accessible for you. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Fine. Okay. Okay. All right. I'm curious. Last thing on this subject. I'm curious what your thoughts are with Gen Z and their relation to travel, because I don't know. I don't remember if we've talked about this or not, but they're 
their a little their obsession with kind of fame mm. and being rich the like being an instagram star tiktok star uh youtube star something like that yeah. post is it the romanticism of the like music in the background as you slowly pan through the mountainside <laughs> right or is it the actual experience of the thing well and i okay so that is such an awesome question but i think that there's some of that branding that happens with millennials and gen z absolutely like it's a it's absolutely. a similar thing and that's because of the introduction of social media into our world mm-hmm. and we're still we're still unraveling that you Millennials mm-hmm. and Gen Z are still unraveling that. There's a lot of uh, millennials now who started off there and have matured into, wow, now we see the downsides of that. Mm-hmm. And you're seeing the downsides of that in the next up and coming generation because they're right next to you. Mm-hmm. But the other thing is with COVID-19 and this full cycle of the 80-year cycle, you know, we're in the transition period of a closing of 80 years and a restart. So that's why we feel all this tumultuousness, the the 100-year pandemic, that actually Gen Z have, you know, you've heard the saying FOMO, fear of missing out. They actually, there's a new word called, uh, I forget, but it's, it's something like <laughs> FOMO, <laughs> but it's the fear of leaving, like leaving home. It's the fear of going anywhere. So it is the actual, in a lot of ways, it's the opposite. And they have, they've kind of become that homebody generation in some ways. Like, yeah, if I can't videotape and safely do a hike with you and make it look like a lovely panoramic event, Mm. I would just as soon stay home and watch it on TV or on my, on the internet or YouTube or have the experience in a less natural way and that's gonna be you know it's all emerging and developing because this stuff continually cycles and each generation impacts the next generation so Mm. with a close sort of on my side is that what i want people to think about in terms of generations are that we're always maturing and gaining perspective about ourselves as well as our children and our parents or grandparents so mm-hmm. even though we're moving down the track so's everybody else and i just mm-hmm. had a conversation with my millennial son-in-law and and i think about this about my millennial kids that all of a sudden, I'm sort of at this new point in our relationship where, oh, yeah, you know what? They're pretty much really good and in charge of their lives, you know? And I'm at a different point where I'm, you know, I'm not over the hill, but I'm I'm, I'm reaching the hill. <laughs> I'm cresting. <laughs> I'm cresting. And so I think, oh, yeah, I can lean into them and relax a little bit about the parenting role. Because we've mm. all matured to a different level. They're not 12 anymore. They're right. not even 20 anymore. Now they're almost 30 or they are over 30. So it's we have to continually keep up in our own brains and minds about where we are in life and where the people in the generations are around us in life. Because yeah. millennials are going to take over and fix a whole bunch of problems we have 
because of their perspective and their experience mm-hmm. with the global environment. And we can just almost chill out and let that happen. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So it's been a fascinating conversation. Yeah. Can't wait to hear more things to come in talking to different people in this yeah. next season. We would love to hear your thoughts on uh, what generation you're from and perhaps your thoughts on the on the three topics that we mentioned today. So feel free to share things and you can send an email or through Instagram to either one of us. You have contact at drbconnections.com and then Instagram. What is your Instagram again? Speaking of generational differences. I know a lot of people by their Instagram name and I don't know their name. I think it's Dr. Beasley. I just don't know how to spell it. I think it's dr.beasley. Let me look this up real quick. Okay. Your Instagram handle is Dr dot Beasley. Whoa! Um, and then- <laughs> I was right. <laughs> uh, so yeah, go ahead and give Dr. B a follow and uh, connect with her on anything, any questions, whatever. And then I am at Creekmore Music Yay. on Instagram. So pleasure. And we'll talk to you later. Always leave a live print. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. I appreciate the opportunity to connect with you. If you're interested in booking a training, I'd love to hear from you. You can reach me at my website, Dr. B Connections. There's a big button that says, book a training with Dr. B. It's that easy. If this show has been beneficial for you, please share it with your friends and family. Spreading the word about the show helps us grow our audience and helps continue to change the world together. Again, thanks so much for listening to Delusional Optimism. Now, go leave a life print. All content on Delusional Optimism is for informational and educational purposes only and does not constitute medical advice and does not establish any kind of patient-client relationship. A patient-client relationship is only formed through a written contractual agreement. If you need medical or mental health care advice, you should consult your doctor or therapist or go to your nearest hospital.